say. <laughs> we'll talk around the cast. Actually, yes, let's get straight into that. Hello okay. and welcome, everybody, to Everyday Eternal, number 156, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new patrons, Nikolai Rocke and Yevar. And I also want to say Kai was kind enough to make a huge donation to the legacy <laughs> crowd on Magic Online, right? You, you are like, you get a win, you get a win, you get a win. What happened today, Kai? Oh, everyone wins, except... Your boy. <laughs> yo, so, yo. So, oh, oh. <laughs> Tell us, like, what, what exactly did you play and how, how was your score today? So, spoiler, it was not Legacy. <laughs> that's it, why, that's an excuse. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's like the, the wildest excuse, maybe. It was, it was modern and um, it was a deck where it, I even said at the beginning of the stream that I felt super confident, right? I felt so confident. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not even putting any fun-offs in here. You know, this is like super stream, streamlined, straightforward kind of thing, you know? And it plays all the elementals. Like, it was, is it scam, ragavan, counterspell, all the, all the good stuff, right? And I just didn't win a single game, dude. I'm telling you guys, it was ridiculous. If there's like a magic god out there, he was definitely, he had a bad day. I mean, he like 5 in matches and 0-10 in games. Yeah, dude. Ouch. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, Wizards at some point, like, we're calling, like, I think this guy is win trading. Like, he's the guy who's always losing, right? That's how the win traders <laughs> do it. They were like, oh, Savatarix. Oh, yeah, probably not known win trader. Let's investigate that guy. And then they watched your games. They were like, okay, he's just straight up terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> in your defense, I watched, like, the, the very last uh, game, I think, on Way Home. And your like opponent like top decked runner 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 or something like the the gods are out to get you today. Yeah, well that's an <laughs> uh, that's a really easy way to excuse um like an, uh, an a perfect o five o ten maybe. But I'm, yeah. I'm I'm telling you guys like it was I didn't purposely try to get there. It just it just <laughs> happened like naturally. I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> it's definitely worse. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny when you talk about that because I was actually talking to Zach of um, Eternal Dirtles the other day because uh, check it out. I actually said, yeah, it's out already. I was a guest on that show. And afterwards, we talked quite a bit about the history of magic and like he has so many interesting stories. And we actually arrived at talking about the certified worst magic player in history. And I guess I'm not actually going to name your boy. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. No, so let, let, let me very quickly touch on that because that's an amazing story. Uh, there are, we, we used to have ELO ratings, right, back in the day. And there were like composite ratings, eternal ratings. So you could look up like who's the best eternal player on the world, uh, in your state, in your country, whatever. And also like total rating. And there was a guy, a German guy. His first name is Christopher. Last name doesn't matter. Actually, yeah, it doesn't matter. He was known as literally, and by quite a fair margin, the worst player in the world. Because his ELO rating, I think at his lowest point, was 1,036. And mind, you start out at 1,600. At least back then, <laughs> we started out at 1,600. Yeah. And if you know about like ELO ratings and, and K values, were traditionally like mostly like 8 or okay. 16 for most like regional and small tournaments. So you could really only lose like 16 points when you lost to somebody like way, way beyond you. So, he went. He literally lost 600 points to get to. I think he was like 200 points down from the second worst player, which I think was a guy in Thailand, if I remember correctly. So they had this epic battle of who is the worst player in the world. Oh my goodness! Um, and he, I even found an old article where somebody was analyzing the Elo rating, and he called it like the rating from LSV to Christopher so and so. Oh, <laughs> like, oh Christopher! Yeah. Oh man, that's that's funny. I mean, I know him, I know this guy personally. That's I, that's yeah, I know, right? He's from Berlin. He's a yeah, judge he's, he's he's from Berlin, and um, I've never played against him. It would have been probably like a pretty tough 
<laughs> head-to-head combat kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, th- maybe like, he was in the league today. Oh, dude! Like, if he cried, no, he would never ever touch it, Moto. But maybe he does. He's kind of likable. Like, I've never met him, but I yeah, read he- an article about the German legacy champion. No, um, German nationals in 2008 or 9 I want to say and he was one of the judges and it's so funny because they introduced every judge and had something nice to say about every judge and then for him they were like okay you probably already know him he made quite the name for himself for losing slightly more often than winning and then they had a very small interview with him and he also was like I don't know it just naturally happens I play and then I lose it's just what it is like he was like I still enjoy the game like that's kind of cool right very cool yeah, he's That's he's lovely. still like a, I think he's like a collector, and as far as I know, um, he has been collecting at least um all the booster packs from all the sets, like including alpha, beta, and and whatnot. And I think like every every magic enthusiast is is um like partially a collector and partially a um a player. I would say it's it's just like a matter of balance, right? Like Absolutely. Some, yeah. Yeah. Like 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 for example, spikes. For example, right? Like they're like ninety nine. 0.9% players and then and 100% pop. reason to remember the name <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah there's that but it, it's, it's kind of it's kind of funny that you mentioned him yeah I just randomly came across him so <laughs> some, some players like don't have the they don't really aim to get better they, they're playing the game because they like the game and they're right. just looking at the cards and playing the game as it plays out and they're like oh I lost again and it doesn't really matter which is cool, I, mean, I think it's also kind of like how a lot of people play I don't know like random sports like football or basketball or whatever it's, yeah. it's all yeah, about yeah. like hanging out with your friends and doing stuff I mean, I know we right. talk about Warhammer a lot because I'm into it these days, but that's how a, a huge number of people, actually probably a majority of players, don't care if they win or lose. They try to win in the game, obviously, because it's about winning or losing, but a lot of them just don't really care if they lose because it's just playing the game. It's like a board game. So, You know, my um, our common friend uh, who started playing Warhammer this year? Yeah. I talked to him the other day. How, how's it going? Because I didn't really get to play like properly, uh, but he did in Munich quite a lot. And mm-hmm. he kind of like... I don't know if he quit, but he certainly went on a break because he was like, everybody's so terrible. Like, I have no point playing. <laughs> I'm just mentioning this because I'm, I'm pretty sure like none of his opponents are actually listening in. No, no. Uh, Warhammer, there's a huge gap between like casual players and tournament players. Way, way bigger than in Magic. So it makes oh, I sense. Can imagine. <laughs> is, I can like, imagine. Is like there... for every column, there's like 20 guys. I mean, <laughs> is there even a competition for like um, who's, who's the best at... Uh, I don't know, like stitching those figures together or for painting oh, yeah, or yeah. that so sort of stuff? Th- those are more popular than the actual game tournament, like where you play the game at tournaments. So those, that's what I like. I like the game of it more. But much, much bigger is there's a thing called Golden Demon, which is like, you know, people fly in from all over the world to do it once a year and submit their best painted model. And to win a prize or a certification at Golden Demon is crazy hard. People spend like, I don't know, two, three hundred hours painting a single model. To get it to perfection. <laughs> and there, there's one thing at this thing called the Slayer Sword. And, like, you know, you get one winner per year of this huge sword, and you're like the best painter in the world, basically. And it's just the most coveted thing you can imagine. And uh, to, to enter, you need to buy a ticket, and it sells out within like minutes, I think. So, yeah, the, the painting side of Warhammer is much, much bigger. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I want actually, I'm actually kind of curious why don't they ever print like black and white? Artwork magic cards, and then you can color it in. I mean, that's probably <laughs> more for children, right? I mean, we all learned it in kindergarten, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you want to appeal to a younger crowd or something, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's pretty one of your worst ideas ever, sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. 
I mean, they, they, they tried it once with the Modern Horizons cards, right? Where, where they also released this, the sketch versions. And yeah, like, oh, that I was cool know, though. That was for charity. Yeah, right? I, don't, I don't know if you remember all of them, but for example, the one for Dress Down was literally, it was almost like a blank canvas. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Julian, card of one is amazing. Julian, would you uh, do color in cards? Uh, no. <laughs> cool. Just checking. Just checking. So, um, I mean, this is a little off topic, but there is like this 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 video on YouTube. You definitely gotta watch. It's it's a video where a horror artist colors a Disney book or something like that, and it has like all the you know like Winnie Pooh and Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all these like iconic characters, and then this horror artist goes like all over them with like you know like bl- like blood red and whatnot, and like completely turns this whole book into like a horror book, which is uh basically a German version of it. It's 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 quite the thing. You you guys really gotta like check it out. It's, that sounds it's pretty, really cool. Cause like it it kind of shows like how powerful colors are, right? Like even with the same objects, but like Winnie Pooh and, and whatnot. Like if if oh, he's, colored, he's not doing alterations, he's just changing changing up the colors. Oh, he he's coloring those color books or however you call them, but he does yeah. it in like a horror way. But so um. Oh, but he's not actually changing the artwork, right? He's not changing artwork at all. He's just okay, applying color impressive. to it. Yeah. So you see like a lot of like blood splatter and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like what you always see in, in Mickey Mouse? I yeah. literally, whenever I got like these comic books when, when we went on holidays when I was a kid, I only ever read like like the Donald Duck comics. Uh, I always skipped the Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse is like so vanilla, so boring. I literally, I, I could never get myself to read about Mickey Mouse. It was always like Donald Duck. Oh yeah, it looks like Donald Duck is the, the best selling, so to say, like product or character in all of Disney. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually a little bit surprised, but yeah, he's just so much cooler than anything else. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's stupid. Also a, he's a total jerk. Yeah, yeah, and stupid. yeah, yeah. people like stupid people. Yeah, yeah. People who go <laughs> O10 and, you know, that's that sort of stuff. Cool. So, guys, you know what I kind of want to talk about? I was thinking about this the other day, and it always feels like whenever there's kind of like a new era of legacy, whenever it feels like a new thing starts, there's always one thing people bring back. And what happened after Deathrite Shaman got banned? You know what, what What was one of the most popular and famous decks in the first weeks after Deathrite Shaman got banned? Rock Delva? Exactly, right? Everybody was like, not everybody. Like, it feels like there's this almost like cyclical thing where like after two or three years, people are like, you know what should come back? Rock Delva. It's like, oh yeah, now that you mentioned it. And then everybody like takes out Rock Delva. In this case, I mean, we, we have uh, up the Beanstalk, right? That That's a big thing that, that made Stifle's it a thing. finally good as well. Uh, is it? <laughs> that, that's the joke. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> one one day, honestly, I, I've always kind of liked Stifle, even when it's like wasn't. I, I'm one of those guys who contributes to trying to bring Stifle back, and then we do for two weeks, and then everybody's just like, oh, ah, Stifle is a beautiful card. It's iconic for Legacy. Yeah, yeah it has like great artwork, great flavor text. Like, yeah, it does. if you're a Legacy player, dude, you should know the uh, the flavor text of Stifle. That's one of the few cards where I feel like also like original Tempest uh, Wasteland, the one land second, promises nothing Google and keeps. S- T-I-F-L-E. Yeah, great. Yeah, I know the I know the flavor text. You want to read it out? <laughs> it's so funny because like we don't we do. Yeah, like I also <laughs> looking up it right now. Oh my god! Go and read it, Kai. Uh, well, I, I'm still. Is it the one on audio? No, is it the one on Scourge? Yeah. No, I'm talking about like I don't know, Master <laughs> New Phyrexia reprint okay. Horizons. No, of course. Oh Scourge. shit! Okay, no, I'm reading it for the very first time now. If what, I want- are you kidding me? Like you're like a like a Canadian threshold player. Like, yeah, but like, who reads flavor text, man? Me? Like they don't. This guy, everybody. <laughs> 
Don't worry, Kai, I'm kind of with you. I recognize it now I read it, but I wouldn't have been yeah, able to tell you. thank you. So it says, <laughs> if I wanted your opinion, <laughs> I'd have, uh, I have told you what it was. I would have told was. you what it was. And it's, it's from Pemin Riptide Sur- Survivor. It is great, um, great. I know Pem. no, I don't know who Pemin is. Pem- but Pemin, Pemin is a part of words, if like I remember name. correctly. Okay. Like Pemin's aura, oh yeah, Pemin's aura was like, um, if, you, if you switch up the, the letters, there's a proper word for that. It spells out, I am Superman. Because really? it basically turns you into Morphling, and Morphling's nickname is Superman. Okay. That's so cool. Do you know, like, after reading this uh, flavor text, this is totally reminds me of one of my one of the greatest movies of all time. It's um, the great, uh, the Big Lebowski, and <laughs> where it just says like, "That's just like your opinion, man." If I wanted yeah. your opinion, I'd have told you what it was, man. Seriously, man. Crossover episode, you know? And, yeah, and then not, and instead of Pammy, we have the dude. Bring back the dude as a planeswalker. Uh, oh god damn it no seriously guys what, what, what do you think about all of this we, we've seen rock java and, and the beanstalk coming back and becoming a thing in legacy i think you at least i saw Callum. no no i saw kai stream it quite a bit uh, i also oh by the way let, let we want to jump, jump on that in a minute also i saw kai stream og canadian threshold right just oh, the other dude. week yes that was so, your birthday um, present to me that was your birthday present also happy birthday thank you very and much the, yeah, qu- to quickly touch on the, like, and first of all, like, why people like Rock Delver so much and why people go um, come back to Rock Delver every now and then, right? Is, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the Oko Arcanist bullshit Rock Delver in, in columns for now, but <laughs> every other um, iteration of the Rock Delver archetype has been so iconic and also so fruitful is the word, is, is the wrong word, but like so positive, like positive vibes and just so not so oppressive. many souls have drowned after turn one style people love it like when you hear rock delver you you think of like you think of jacob wilson you think of alexander hain you could you think of i don't know jonathan alexander maybe and and like other some other great minds and rock delver has been around and like everyone literally everyone loves the mongoose at least i do um I do. Uh, I think there's there's two types of eternal players: those who love Nimble mongoose and those who think it's a bullshit card. <laughs> you could be both. It could be both too. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's both. <laughs> I mean, if you were a countertop miracle player, you probably hate the Mongoose. No, I mean, that's Winterob. <laughs> that's a big one, right? Yeah. But um, so so yeah, so when you gave me the the seventy five for the OG Canadian threshold deck list from like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, like the, the one even before the um, Delve of Secrets, like the super old old school one with like Quattro, Spell Snare, and the full, you know, same like playset of Fire and Ice and and even our fucking Rushing River, man. <laughs> one Rushing River, nice. one Mundidian Click, yeah, yeah. Um, that deck, like I, I jumped into a league and I, I started 3-0. and oh, I think you didn't even drop a game or something. I didn't. I don't think I dropped a game. And um, in today's legacy environment, right, which is... You know, call it crazy, but the, the core concept of Rock Delver is still remains very strong. Like the spells are strong. The threats have definitely changed. The threats are terrible. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Nibelmangus and Tamagoyf. Like they, those guys are really medium. But the the, the core of Stifle Wasteland Days, Lightning Bolt, Force of Will, De- yeah, that sort of stuff. It's just even today, right? Because Legacy has has been around for a very long time and. The, the spells have kind of been the same. The mana bases are also somewhat similar to mana bases 10 years ago. It's kind of hard to make something even better than dual lands, right? 
Exactly. Who knows in Fetchlands? Like, where are we gonna go from there? Yeah. Like even the removal. Like you cards like Dismember Lightning Bolt. Okay, Russian River is a little, a little outdated <laughs> maybe. But like even cards like Submerge. You know, like those cards you still see today. And yeah, I mean, like, you haven't you haven't really lived until you've double bounced Murktide Regent with Ruth, Rushing River, right? Oh man, I wanted to do it so badly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not alive yet. Definitely, it sounds great. Though. But it's a kind of testament to how nice uh, good reactive or filtering are because they just scale with other cards power levels so like as threats got better these cards just stay with that power level throughout time yeah, yeah and i also want to say like your your anti-combo package was like pretty good right At that oh point. yeah like i should probably mention that the the three opponents I, I beat were all three on combo and where my threats weren't really that important right i mean if you're playing against combo you're almost like happy to have tarmogoyf right Oh kinda. yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, even Nimble Mongoose kind of kind of um charged very quickly. So um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't all that bad, right? But if you combine that crazy powerful shell of of uh, of Delva strategies, and especially the ones um that are super cool and includes things like Stifle and Spell Pierce and whatnot, and um combined with like threats from two thousand twenty three, I think you have a really decent looking deck. The the one thing that I was a little bit like disappointed about was that i had to kind of acknowledge that spell snare wasn't as good as i hoped it would be it felt like kind of awkward especially when you had the second one in a lot of hands and you also like couldn't really pitch it to force fulfill at times so for as much as i want the card back because i love the tempo it provides it's i'm yeah. trying to to will it into being a thing but i i just can't do it and after watching you play it's yeah uh, I remember, yeah, I remember that screenshot where I had like the full playset of sp uh, spells. Now my hand opponent goes like tap two mana for a Murktide Regent. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the world we live in, unfortunately. I was about to say, like in a, in the old Tarmogoyf world, like it was super important. But I would have guessed that Bowmasters is like the same thing. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, they used to help you a lot in catching up in tempo, especially on the draw. But mm -hmm. nowadays, it's, it doesn't really play out like that anymore. And you especially like you can't really keep it up and uh, it's it, it, a lot of situations that's just like straight up awkward and half the combo decks they don't even care about swears now so what can you do but yeah other than that uh, i was super impressed like i thought you were gonna struggle with that list just because it was like literally 14 almost 15 years old at the time uh but you you i think you piloted to a three and two or something i think you lost yeah, it, against it, 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 it ended up, yeah it ended up being a, a three and two um losses were to blue black scam and to to um the Mia Death Shadow. But both rounds went to a game a critical game number three. So it wasn't like, you know, it was completely unbeatable. Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you just had to maneuver through a couple of the threats, but man, Murktide region is such such a beating home. Yeah. It's so crazy, right? Like your entire deck doesn't really do anything against that. Oh, shadow yeah. seems incredibly hard as well. Like just the threat shadow is so good against this style of deck. Yeah, it's ne it's never been easy. I think the last time when when Rock Delver was a proper deck versus Dimir Death Shadow, it was like a fight between Tarmogoyfs versus Gurmak Anglers and mm -hmm. you know those kind of things. But it, yeah, it's it's never been easy. No. So at that point, we come full circle. We come back into Rock Delver or whatever it looks like in this year, 2023, right now, and. We, we People are main decking three commandeers. <laughs> like Alexander Hain and Jacob Wilson were well ahead of the times. Oh, sh sh should we actually put that in the show notes? Yes. That, that was one of yeah. the most legendary links ever. Okay, I'm going to put down a note here. Show notes. I think it's Hain called, uh, it, I think it's called like legacy, like troll delver or whatever. 
It was so, so good. So this is, I guess, this is another history lesson. There was once a leak on Channel Fireball when they still posted leaks with Alexander Hayne and Jacob Wilson, and they built the most troll version of Canadian Threshold ever with like T-Bald in the sideboard and Commandeer. And they actually made the and he did Sugus like last yeah, ride or something. Second he did Sugus second ride. Yeah. The beauty of it is, is the main deck is completely stock. I think maybe they had sixty one. I can't remember now. But the main deck was pretty much stock. And then the sideboard. This is where it got funny. They'd like usually win game one because it's the two best players of the best deck. Then they would be making up reasons to bring in all these terrible cards and try not to piss themselves laughing it's it's so beautiful yeah, they, like the, <laughs> how they cannot both try to play like the straight man in yeah, their yeah, comedy yeah. like they were like oh this is an excellent draw and they like draw t-bot yeah yeah they're like <laughs> this is exactly what sometimes wanted. leaves you like verse off after activating its ability oh, yeah yeah there's one bit where they discard like a force of will against a comedy they're like oh yes thank you t-bot it's exactly what we wanted great stuff <laughs> <laughs> so yeah please everyone go and watch this you'll you'll yeah. make your day i think that's just like what rock diver has going for it or canadian threshold I think there's not many decks, if any, that has this much culture around it. And not like in the sense of, oh, we are cultured, but more like this this whole, you know what I mean, right? This, this, this. I know what you mean. It's hard to like put into it's words. It's hard to put it into words. Yeah. I do what you mean. There's people who are like, I'm a, I'm a threshold player. They've become devil players over time, obviously, but. It's, 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 like we sometimes joke about, oh, like Dredge is a lifestyle or something. Like Rock Deva is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Rock Deva is, is, is very much a thing and it's one of. Maybe I'm getting a little bit too romantic here, but mm-hmm. I, I sometimes think about these things, and you can call me crazy. I sometimes think if the history of Legacy was a movie, who would be the main protagonists? And oh, I Rock- think Rock Diver could be the main protagonist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, easy, yeah. This is the Frodo boy. This is the Frodo, right? Right. <laughs> I think there's Back a couple it's... of other decks up there, like Miracles, probably, even though I don't want to admit it. It's yeah. more like the villain. <laughs> I'd say, like, Kind of stuff like goblins and lands. Probably yeah, have. goblins has been around for. Yeah, yeah mean, but go- goblins is like one of those those two hobbits. The, yeah, but goblin, goblins the... really is a lifestyle. Like you talk to goblins players, and like, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't even think of touching anything else. Delver mm. players are like, yeah, I've played shadow here and there. I'd play these other things. I've touched control. Blah blah. blah. They're all I mean, traitors. Goblin I mean, players goblin, are beautiful. Goblin players play goblins because they like goblins, and rock diver players play rock diver because they like playing a good day. Because they like rugs. <laughs> Dude, Sorry, remember but... you like all, got all these like really really bad names like a bug and a rock and everything oh my god it's like remember when, Ca- when... Uh, transylvania castlevania was it which only makes sense when you speak german even right yeah yeah, yeah. like burg oh my god can you you remember the burg <laughs> yeah you must the... play the burg yeah oh, okay for four color delver with like uh, underground sea into tiger oh my goodness oh, uh, was, I, I was it like carsten cotta pushing it or something it was uh it was carson yeah. linden yeah carson linden carson linden yeah yeah so just to explain that one, if anyone doesn't know, uh, it was like four-color devil with Deathrite and Mongoose and Goyf, I think, basically, but playing red for Bolt and uh, Blast, essentially. And so Berg is castle in German, so B-U-R-G. So black, blue, red, green. There we go. Right. It was, it was yeah. not a bad name, actually, considering all things. Yeah, it was, like when you think about how much it changed, like in German, it was Die Burg and then Castle, <laughs> Castlevania, because of the game, it's just like uh, it was a bit legacy a deck names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I try keep, keep go, uh, try to go back to, to up the beanstalk, but you know, you already noticed, right? When we talk about Rock Diver, we get, I can't even say nostalgic for it, because it's still like, there's rarely a time where it's not at least like a lower tier two deck in the format, just because like you already mentioned right? it has so many efficient spells. Well, like you you run into it in a league and not be surprised. That's yeah, a- yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. At time, yeah, I guess I can. You can say that. But help me out, guys. 
I think, Kai, you've played this quite a bit. Why exactly are we playing up the Beanstalk in Rock Driver? Isn't, isn't that like supposed to be a tempo deck? Yeah, currently there are, I would say, like two different types of Rock Delver. That The one is the more like control-ish version, I want to say, and the more like, you know, like interactive kind of kind of thing where you have the up the Beanstalk and then a couple of Delve Threads, Force of Will, and even crazy stuff like Magmatic Sinkhole if you want to. Uh -huh. um, I personally kind of change it to like a to the core of like um, three copies of Stifle, even a spell Pierce in the main deck, and really focusing on like the the tempo aspect with with an eventual uh, late game possible late game with the the Optimine mm -hmm. stocks, right? So you have that, and then you have the other one, which is hypercharged on creatures. It plays sixteen creatures, uh, but four of them are the Quirin. Um, oh, Crescent Dryad. Uh, Questing, yeah, Crescent. Is it Questing Druid? Druid. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I want to say like Quirion Dryad, but we arrived at Questing Druid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's the more popular version, though. At least in I can only speak for Japan for now. Um, but in Japan, that version is basically the the go-to rock delver these days. Um, okay. So it's also like more mid-rangey or or. It yeah, it kind of is right. Like um, people people try to justify the card by, by saying that it's it's like a card advantage spell it's it's not as good as expressive iteration but it kind of gets there kind of thing i personally have a problem with this card not like not personally but uh i, I just feel that the card is terrible uh, wow, i was about to say it. i think it's very good <laughs> I okay okay in that case okay, you know, we can argue about quickly, that let me quickly read out the cards for those who don't know yeah dressing druid is a green card one colorless and a green for a one one creature human druid Whenever you cast a spell that's white, blue, black, or red, put a plus one, plus one count on Questing Druid. But it also has the adventure mode, where you can play a colorless and a red, instant adventure. <laughs> Exile up to two cards of your library <laughs> until your next turn, you may play those cards. So that's that's kind of like, is, uh, Callum, help me out. What, what is the three manners, uh, the, the card that exiles... Three. I will just add, it's not quite until your next turn, it's until your next end step. So you really want to like play at the end of your opponent's turn quite often. Because if you play it on your turn, you need to cast them those turn, that that turn. Exactly. Um, which is the problem. So like the the upside to some of these kind of effects is some of them say, until your like next turn, you may cast them. I can't remember ah, the exact wording. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, so this one is very important as an instant. Um, it does have that slightly awkward timing thing where you can't just turn to play it. You have to like wait until your opponent's end step and do it. Um, the cards, I think it's just pretty good. It's not amazing. It's not going to you know, change the format as it's not at the moment. But I think just being a potential three for one in the late game, just being like able to find two things off it in the late game and then play it as a creature is actually upside over expressive iteration. You can't rebuy it with Sanctuary. The creature does just die sometimes. It's not a very good threat early, but then... Neither is a card advantage to spell early. But, so you can just play it on turn mm. two as a threat if you need <clears throat> it as well. So it's very modal. It's quite slow and a bit clunky. That's the downside to it. But for being a potential three for one and modal, as I said, I don't know. I think it's got a pretty high ceiling. Well, yeah, if you say it like that, it definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he, he has, like, he, the, the one really good thing about this card is that you really don't want to subverge this guy. Right, that's once true. it's on the battlefield. So, <laughs> is that um, the problem about the card? That, that's <laughs> the problem, yeah. So, so that's the good thing about questing druid. So okay. now, now there's like a bunch of shitty things about this card. Okay. Um, and like I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not here to to say that this card is unplayable. Like you, you definitely see it in in, in decks. It's just that 
the card pretty much forces you to like you you're not gonna cast questing druid just by itself right like you're always gonna go seek the beast first as the instant adventure thing and then you're gonna cast the questing druid from exile i would and say yes versus fair but not against combo just to interject a like, little bit are you telling me that you're gonna cast a two minute one one with i mean it's gonna attack for like probably like two or three on the next turn and then like four or five on the turn after maybe <sighs> I mean, I, I'm also not thrilled to like, especially if I have to tap out for it on the second turn, I probably wouldn't tap out for it. I mean, yeah, on the second turn, you probably wouldn't tap out for it and just like seek the beast. <laughs> I like, <laughs> love the name, by the way. What a, at, at your end of turn, I want to seek the beast it's on an cool. instant adventure. That sounds yeah. so dirty, by the way. I mean, it, ha it has a lot of like awkward timings, right? Like the, the seek the beast, as, as you guys already mentioned, like you can't do it main phase. You have to basically play your second land, pass the turn without doing anything, and then at the, at the opponent's end of turn or in response to some some spell or whatever, then you, uh, you're going to cast a Seek the Beast and <laughs> where you either hopefully find the answer to whatever your opponent's presenting or or not, right? Yeah. And then you untap and you and you eventually maybe cast the Questing Druid or you cast something else. The problem I have with this card is that a lot of the times you exile cards from the library you don't actively need right now and there are like cards like uh, forcible days for example they, they might just like be in excel forever yeah i noticed that like the thing crease the beast the thing questing druid does the most when i play against that is to literally just give you another land drop it's almost like a like a bad man's like poor man's rampant growth that's not even that <laughs> can we just call this card questing beast yeah, so, that's you know, somebody, much better. It's it's kind of funny. I saw that on Twitter where somebody was like, "Oh my god, I love that this is like a, th a very conscious throwback to to questing beast, of course." And wizards, thank you so much. And then um, uh, Carmen Handy came in and was like, "Oh no, this is just like no. total coincidence. Like there was the, the <laughs> card wasn't even named when we had like the artwork and everything. It's just it just happened to be called nice. questing questing druid." Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> but I do agree with you as well that like it is awkward timing. It is a bit clunky. It's I don't know how many like the decks playing. I I would guess three is my inclination, but I yeah. haven't actually looked. Well, so, so let, let, yeah, let, let let's do like a little like a uh, little little quiz here. So um, Ooh. oh, it's actually not a, not an, a real quiz, but anyway. Ooh. Um, so if <laughs> if a legacy playable card is a ten out of ten, okay, you ha you have to be a ten out of ten to play uh, for the card to be legacy playable. Um, how much do you how how many points do you give a query on Dryad? Query These and Dryad, I'd give like a naught point something. Close mm, to zero. Mm, I think Close like to a, it, it really depends like on, on where you start zero because zero for me would be like completely unplayable, like Stinkweedum kind of stuff. Uh, okay. I'll uh, give it between Pudgeon. one and two then. It's, okay, it's one and two. Terrible. Okay, that's, okay, that's good. I would that's... actually say it's like a three something because I'm it's like, <laughs> it's not, you, you will lose games against it, right? At I times. Guess, I guess. Okay. Okay. Let, let, let's say three. Okay. For, um, for argument's yeah. sake, and then and then uh, the seek the bees. That's somewhat of a reckless impulse, right? Oh, that's the name I was looking for. Earlier. So, uh, so, so yeah. how how many points you give reckless impulse in legacy? Oh, I give it six. Now you got two of those on the same card. Maybe, right? maybe seven. Damn, that's seven is, is kind of high. But I think okay. reckless impulse is not bad. It it didn't end up working out in Delva for a few reasons, but I think it's not a bad card. Okay, nice. So uh, it passed the test because seven plus three is ten, and ten is playable. Ta-da! Ta-da! Oh, oh, ten is like the threshold. The threshold for just being playable in the first place. Oh, I just wanted to. I'm, I'm really bad at math and just wanted to sound smart. <laughs> well, because I said I said two something and seven, which is nine. So, right, but but that's exactly what I mean, yeah. right? Like, the, so if if you combine both modes, it's barely 
up there, I want to say. I, I, I just can't get over like how messed up this, this <laughs> Somataric scale of playability is. <laughs> the card is either playable or not. So so would you play one in a red, deal two damage, divide as you choose? What would you give that? To what? Deal two damage? If one in a red, deal two damage, divide as you choose to any targets. What would you give that in Legacy? Divide it as I choose to any targets. Yeah, two damage, divide it um, as you choose to any doesn't targets. Doesn't that already exist? I mean, it... It, it's it's like Maybe. a it's like a that's cast like into the fire, right? It's four, but if you add a little bit of text that says if you can also exile an artifact, that would definitely ah uh, see, see definitely that was, make that was, it a ten. Jesus about, yeah. Christ, you guys are awful! I'm trying to do fire ice, and you're just completely oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, at the time it was like really good. I guess, I guess. Oh man! By the way, you you know what? I, what's also like not exactly great about Cresting Beast, and that's a problem with another card. And I noticed that when I was trying to like grind like midrange and control decks out with for example i don't know like random beats from uh, painter and that brings me back to fourth erlingas i think a lot of cards that we used to have because they were just like you know what we call like sticky threats like stuff that usually like require multiple cards to deal with unless there's a mess removal spell and even then they sometimes like come back that's not as important anymore because pressuring planeswalkers is not as important anymore because at some point it's just going to be fourth erlingas time and then the cresting druid is going to be like hey i'm big and swole and i block a token and the other tokens are like yeah and then you're it's true dies. it's true actually that's a good point i didn't really think of that in a macro legacy thing but like planeswalkers are probably at the the worst they've been in since they were printed really like control now is just uro the ring and fourth erlingas like i know there's narcissus yeah. and fairies around but like they just die they're whatever yeah, totally, yeah. and I, I I don't want to say that that's a necessarily a bad thing, honestly, no, because <laughs> um like nothing is worse than having like pseudo like mid range control mirrors where you know you just keep slamming your planeswalkers and you can't really touch them. Yeah, and fourth just punishes it so much now. Isn't that what it, they called standard a couple of years ago? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, well, that's why we are a legacy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Nice. So yeah, um, as I try to keep the, the try to circle the conversation back to up the beanstalk, you're doing a great job, Julian. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I've, I've taken many awards for it. Uh, you've never seen them. Uh, Kai already explained. Okay, let, let, let's put it that way. Kai already explained how there's like two different flavors of, of rock diver fl uh, flying around, and right now what what up the beanstalk does, it gives you a little bit more reach, not in terms of like traditional reach, uh, as in like burn spells but it gives you more stamina i guess that that's the best way to put it right you can keep playing the game for longer than you're actually used to as a combo deck so as a as a tempo deck and that allows you to to not only like capitalize on your still very undercosted threats especially murktide regent and of course your all your your like counter magic that costs like five uh as in first of all dude i'm, I'm really dig digging myself into a hole here i'm, I'm trying to explain <laughs> No, you, you do you do good. I I think the, the up the beanstalk is is kind of kind of similar to similar libraries maybe, mm -hmm. except that you don't lose as much life and like life points are, are quite crucial these days because um because of uh Oak Spellmasters you know pinging you for a bunch for for drawing extra cards, um also like grief is like among the the most played creatures in Legacy right now and this this guy has manas kind of hard to block, you know a lot of the creatures have evasion and um like. If you can, if you can, just keep your life total in check. Um, that's really appreciated right now, right? Seven Library is actually a pretty good comparison in those decks because that 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 one is supposed to do pretty much the same. But unlike up to Beanstalk, you can literally destroy the library after it came down, right? Or or even like bounce it or something. 
with Teferi, and then it still hasn't done anything. Whereas Beanstalk, nobody likes destroying Beanstalk or or bouncing it off or do, doing something good. Like you don't want to touch Beanstalk. The, the the best Beanstalk is the one that doesn't resolve, that one that gets oh, spells in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's the, the super annoying part about it. And since so much of what Ruck is doing harmonizes so well with up the Beanstalk. I think that's kind of what made it playable again you already mentioned right we were very much leaning more into a mid-range game uh i think we already did as soon as merc became a thing that's that there's not this world anymore where you sometimes step out for your turn to a threat and then you ride it to victory as we did for tamogoyf which was like one of the most common things that these decks used to do back in the day and now you can afford to go more mid-range which i guess is also why we don't really like need the early tempo advantage of, of spell snaring their turn to play um yeah tr- I- trying to paint a picture here of, of of Ruck Delver not necessarily needing to be as aggressive as it used to be. I think the truth is Delver or like, you know, the, the Ponder, Brainstorm, Wasteland, whatever, Day Shells, they had the ability to be mid-range in the past, but people didn't really clock onto it as much. All the kind of advantage spells weren't as good, potentially. But now people are realizing you can build these tempo decks in a way as mid-range decks as well, or give them some grinding power and so you know they still have these aggressive starts and the cards are just good they're just efficient and that's like efficiency is the name of the game for tempo now and here you know this card is the opposite of tempo it's two mana draw a card and then get value later in the game maybe not even for a few turns it's like you think it's the opposite of what delver wants to be doing but in the end delver is just playing cards that are efficient and you get card advantage or other advantages like tempo by playing you know cheaper spells and stuff so you're just building up advantages against other decks in the format in different ways and then because of the flexibility of cantrips you're just trying to shape what advantage you're gaining based around what the kind of matchup dictates or something so you know in other mid-range mirrors or control or even some games against combo you're just gonna be playing this slower game where you lean on something like up the beanstalk which can give you this huge advantage later like you know hooting mandrills Force of Will and Merktide don't need help to be good. They're amazing already. And here you're just like, you know, stapling draw a card onto it from a card that's already mm-hmm. replaced itself. If you have the time to get that card advantage, it's a very strong engine because they'll just, you know, feed into more more and more the second beanstalk and then your Force of Will draws two cards. It's like that is some crazy card advantage and it just snowballs because they find you more and more. So if you can, you know, buy yourself the time in the format to ride that advantage, the the shell of brain someone ponder and bolts and all the removal and counter magic will give you that time if you need to and against you know uh, combo decks you can just you know based on your hand if you're being aggressive or not so they end up do just being you know very card advantage oriented but have this slant to be more aggressive if if it's needed or if the hand dictates it so it just makes the decks very hard to play against having an angle like this you know it was the problem think- with iteration as well when you could sanctuary it back you just you didn't know whether you're going to die to like DRC turn one, DRC turn two, and then like you bolt you or something, or yeah. they're going to outgrind you. So it's the similar thing here, really. I think that, uh, you already mentioned DRC, right? I think DRC is a huge part of that, which gives you a lot more selection in the mid game. And also, one of the main reasons why we don't really play Delva in these decks anymore. I mean, you still see it, especially, I guess, if you go for a more like Stifer route. Like Kai, Kai, did you actually like play Delva in one of your Beanstalk streams? No, I, I've dropped Delva completely. And like, you don't see a lot of Delva in general because of uh, Okush Bowmaster. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, it's hard being a Delver these days. Yeah, Delver is Delver is uh, <laughs> it's not in a not in a good spot. Like the card Delver of secrets. You know, at some point right? they're literally just gonna print like one one blue insect elaboration three two flying. There you go. 
Oh yeah, that flips back to a one-one, right? Whenever, <laughs> whenever you your opponent reveals your some sorcery, it flips back. That'd be cool. It literally says some sorcery. <laughs> would, would that be playable? Uh, uh, you play it as a Delver, like a flipped one, and then your opponent has a trigger in their upkeep if they reveal instant sorcery. It flips to a one-one. Instant or sorcery. So I think if it's instant or sorcery, it's like super awkward. Yeah. But then again. And then you need to flip it back with an instant sorcery. It, it might it might actually be worse than Diver when you think about Dude, it. Dude, I don't want to be the guy like you know just putting the Diver <laughs> in and out of the sleeve every every five seconds or so. Sorry, this is such what, a idea. I'm what sorry. a terrible design! Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, so you know what's interesting as, as we talk about this? This reminds me so much of our last episode where we looked at the very first Diver decks, like Canadian Threshold, as well as like Barn Threshold and that kind of stuff. And they also they had like. Bigger creatures, less of a tempo game, more of a mid-range game. And a lot of them played stuff like, uh, you guys remember Accumulated Knowledge, Predict, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And Up the Beanstalk is just so, so, so much better, right? If that existed back then when people were playing like, well, not Fledgling Dragon, because oh, actually, no, neither Fledgling Dragon nor Mystic Enforcer works, right? That they yeah, are four mana. Not. Yeah. But you, you get the idea, right? But it's, the it's idea the is the idea. same. And, and, this, and this is like, again, like, I think you mentioned it in the last episode, but people should really take their time and, f- and look up those super old deck lists, right? Like people did the math for the, the correct land count or cantrips or removal or threat numbers. They did it for a reason, right? And uh, like, it, it, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, I think, every I mean, every it, two it certainly months. doesn't hurt to like at least test run or, or, or apply to a current situation but i think a lot of times you you will end up in similar like numbers that's true mm-hmm. so here's the big downside and he, this is what i looked up on the way back home from work today where i was like super excited to look into this and i wanted to add a deck list to the show notes you know how often this thing has actually top aided a legacy challenge in the last month I'm not going to say because I can see it in front of me. <laughs> okay, I did not expect this. So, listeners, listen to listen in on this. I think this Beanstalk Rock Delva like Rock Midrange deck has been around for like quite a while, like a month or something, one and a half month, and it literally has a single challenge top eight during that time. Like we have two challenges a month, a week, and in all of those challenges, there's literally only and I opened it here. Uh, what's the name again? Uh, Gay Gabri zero nine one. Congratulations! You are the only person, and I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. I actually tried to to list, to look at all of them. You're the only person to ride Rock Beanstalk to a top eight, barely in eighth place, on the twenty third of September. So I don't know. I feel like the deck. Whenever I watch it, it feels really good, and people on Twitter are super excited about it. Somehow it doesn't perform yet. It might be an, a lack of numbers, like overall, like just like sample size. But that's that's my guess. I think it is lack of numbers. I think the deck is pretty good. It's I was pretty high on it when we spoke about it before. Maybe I just said, oh, I've just seen this really cool deck, and it did get some hype on Twitter. Um, the Italians MM Marco MM seventeen was playing it, and he got a few trophies in a row. And then Max Max Dorshan was playing it and stuff, and it definitely got some hype. But um, I've not run into it very much. I think the numbers just aren't there, and it's the kind of deck where. Maybe it's just not quite good enough. It's you know, a cool shell, and it's just very good. You get a few trophies every now and then, but not like kind of showcase challenge top eighting level. But I think it's the kind of thing where if it got a few more results and more people playing it, maybe even like a showcase challenge, as I said, or a four seasons kind of top eight, then I think people might pick it up more. But it's also a lot of the kind of the blue days wasteland shell players are also playing scam at this point as well. So it's all is Delver. So there's a lot of different kind of tempo mid-rangey shells so people are you know 
playing other things as well, which is a, which is a cool part of the format. You know, for a long time we just had just Blue Red Delver, or we had just Rug Delver mm. with Oka Renna Six. It's really cool. There's like Scam. There's more aggressive scam. There's uh, you know rug delver here. There's bug people. I've seen people playing bug with this and with up the beanstalk. And there's Grixis delver as well. It's it's cool. There's different flavors at least. But I I think the numbers aren't there, and it's just good, not amazing, is my kind of take. By the way, I'm I'm looking through a deck lists of the Saturday Legacy Challenge just to see how people are doing. There's Storm by Musa Sabi. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. What is going on there? Like, there's two copies of Born Upon the Wind. Yeah. A Born you, Upon a Wind. Is that the one in the blue you can cast things as Flash, basically? And it draws a and card. It draws it's, a card, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically Quicken, right? Do you know but about Musasabi? Uh, yeah, I have it the, every day. <laughs> no, the, the player, though. They, uh, no. They play, like, loads of different formats, and they, they, they stream as well, and they brew a ton, and it's always completely out there and wild and they're just crazy good as well so they're known for being quite a brewer and they just come along and just do something weird like this and crush with it it's really cool so so, so help me out what, what what are you actually doing with this so we can actually oh it's it's all your spells it's not like so clicking you can, your next spell okay no, so like you all your led spells. led blah, blah blah you can literally this is this is the new 2023 solidarity has just been born <laughs> literally yeah. you can go off with like lethal damage on the stack kind of <laughs> I mean, you could i mean, I mean you, you, you can yeah you can splash this card in any magic the gathering deck and call it the new <laughs> solidarity <laughs> i mean like if you if your plan is to like beat them down with tamogoyfs not so much i mean unless true, it also allows you to attack on the opponent's attack response tamogoyf surprise blocker <laughs> yeah but oh, imagine the value someone like wastelands your vault of whispers whatever it's called then you you flash beseech the mirror sacrificing it <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that's that's what we're doing yeah. i don't know like i i mean we, we sometimes see kind of crazy stuff like what what, what is the core shell of this is this ad nauseum 10 no it's the core shell is like the the mono black storm deck right yeah i do have it up in front of me but it's like um beseech is the main engine now in these decks surely and i guess that's uh, ponder and brainstorm in there um it's it's the saturday legacy challenge deck list that the link in the show notes on the second place i got it it, it has for it's a cycle. so it's basically the mono black storm deck but it splashes blue for for brainstorm for thoughts uh for ponder and two born upon event mm-hmm. born upon the wind yeah and it's got the guy's wheel to go with the beseech of course is this three beseech the mirrors which i like i think the card can be a bit clunky as soon as you draw the second one it can feel pretty awkward and stuff so i like the three when you're playing cantrips if you're not playing cantrips you'll you'll want the four for redundancy of can- of tutors and stuff but here three beseech two wish call talisman and and four infernal tutor so nice nice and in set. first place by the way larson cephala breakfast the deck that just don't doesn't want to die doesn't want to die what bow masters <laughs> i don't know any bow masters <laughs> also hammer time in sixth place what the, whoa Yes. Crusherbot be, be, Crusher Beachy loved that so much, that name. Crusherbot, <laughs> add it again. This is his baby. Uh, yeah. Sort of fire and ice making a comeback in there. Damping and Sphere on the sideboard. third place, Kanakan, with a beautiful deck um, with uh, Soul Cauldrons and Fire Action Devourer. I love it. Dude, <clears> yeah, <throat> I've been like lurking on some discords and everybody talks about the Soul Cauldron combo or something. Can, can, can you help me out? What is actually, what is the Soul Cauldron combo? 
Yeah, so Phyrexian Devourer is... Or maybe maybe you'll help us out and t tell us what Soul Cauldron does in the first place. Okay, fine. So Soul Cauldron is a two-mana artifact. It's a legendary artifact, which I've learned by playing a second one multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> and um, firstly, you may spend mana as though a mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control. I've forgotten this ability every single time as well, so I probably have like not activated a Goblin Engineer with an Ancient Tomb. Uh, creatures you control with 1-1 one, one counts on have all activated abilities of all creatures' cards exiled with Agatha Soul Cauldron. And the third ability is you tap the Soul Cauldron, exile target card from a graveyard. When a creature card is exiled this way, put a 1-1 one, one count on target creature you control. So just to give you like a, an example, you could exile a Grizzlebrand, and then all your creatures with 1-1 one, one counters on them can pay 7 life to draw 7 cards. And you get to put a plus one, plus one counter as you exile the Grizzle Brand. Yeah, one. yeah. So it's a trigger and you target on your creatures and it gets a counter. So the combo here is Phyrexian Devourer. is an old card from Alliances. It's a six-mana artifact creature. It's a 1-1. One, one. It's, it's um, If Phyrexian Devourer's power is seven or greater, destroy it uh, or sacrifice it. But that's but a that, triggered ability, right? That is a triggered ability. But it's not really relevant in this deck. It's relevant in pre-modern stuff, but not here. But it has an ability, which is just... Exile the top card of your library is the cost. Put X one one counts on Phyrexian Devourer, where X is the exiled card's mana cost. So where that comes in, it's an activated ability, of course. So you play a Goblin Engineer. You search for the Phyrexian Devourer because it's an artifact. You put it in your graveyard. And then with the Soul Cauldron, you exile the Devourer. And now every creature with a one one counter on it has this ability to exile the top card. And then you put X one one counters on that creature. So let's say you target the Goblin Engineer with the, with the counter. Goblin Engineer can now exile cards from the top of your library and become huge. So it's kind of like you do need to use the combat damage step here. But if you have a Walking Blister in play, you just get to you know exile the top 20, 30 cards of your library and then just shoot them. And it's, it's very strong because the um, removal doesn't interact very well. You can re play a removal spell as the Soul Cauldron is targeting something to put a counter. But if you've got a Walking Blister already in play, you can just keep excellent cards and keep shooting them in response to a removal spell on the blister. So it's kind of hard to interact with. It's It's got some windows. Okay, it's, okay, wait, wait, wait. That was a little fast. So okay. I, I, have a, I have a walking ballista <laughs> yep. and I got the Soul Cauldron. Yep. And then for in most scenarios, they actually won't be able to disrupt me because if they try to, like, let's say, start the Plowshares, the ballista, you just mm -hmm. activate what you, uh, the ability that the ballista got from Phyrexian Devourer yes. again yeah. remove a card yeah. it grows and so let's can say just you like exile keep... a Oryx Salvages so it gets four counters off that activation yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if... they, they need as many removal spells as you have cards in your library or something it's essentially yeah <laughs> and okay. they, they could you know play a removal spell on the ballista in response to you using the Soul Cauldron to exile the Devourer but if you just have the Cauldron exile the Devourer and then play the ballister they can't really Oh, the cauldron actually remembers what was. Oh, yes. yeah. So it's, it's oh, so oh, that makes play, it so much harder. Yeah, yeah. So the sequencing things are weird. Like sometimes you'll play an engineer and try and put a counter, and they'll remove it. But then it still remembers that you've got a devourer ability under there. So then you know your future things, and then it, it triggers to put a counter whenever you remove any creature card. So if you just play another creature, you know, say a salvages or another engineer or whatever, and then you know if you activate the soul cauldron again exiling your goblin engineer engineer that just got bolted you can then you know threaten it again so the other nice thing with cauldron is it's incidental graveyard hate so you do run into decks playing uro or reanimator or whatever so it's it's pretty useful card mm -hmm. as well 
This, this, this combo is so iconic because maybe you guys remember, but like many, many years ago, um, there was like a very similar combo with Triskillian and I think that's the same Phyrex and Drivora and yeah, ne yeah. Ne Necrotic Ooze. Necrotic Ooze was a 4-mana 4-3. Yeah. That basically says the same thing, right? As long as this guy's on the battlefield, it has all activated abil abilities of all creature cards and all graveyards. Yeah. You know, for 12, 12, 13 years ago, before I picked up Elves as my main deck in Legacy, there was like a hot minute where I thought this was my future in the format, that I would become a Phyrexian Devourer <laughs> Necrotic Ooze guy. Oh, that combo was so cool. You used to like bury life for, for all three, right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That was exactly like, and I remember being in the thread on the source about it. And that was back then when we had the wildest deck names. And I really tried to coin the deck name Chinese Democracy for the deck because I, th <laughs> I figured it's just like, it sounds like it would have a meaning, but it actually didn't. And I think it's also like a famous rock album or something. And I, I just figured like it has this aura of mystery about it. Like, why is this deck called Chinese Democracy? No, nobody knows. And I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. I made it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it never stuck. And to this day, the deck actually didn't really have a proper name, does it? I don't. I know. take your silence as an agreement. It probably it probably does, but I don't know actually. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the proper name is like the Phyrexian Devourer Demonic Goose yeah. combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually got a Devourer in the post on Friday. Is gearing oh, you up. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that reservedness, by the way? I don't know. I guess we can look it up. But it 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 has been like one of the most popular um, win conditions in Commander. Like it's it is really, reservedness, by the way. It is okay. It's probably quite. And cheap, it's like it? fourteen euros. Whoa! I think I paid like twelve for it. Yeah, I mean, I want to play it in pre-modern as well, so it was an easy buy. And then, I guess you only ever need one anyway. Yeah, generally, <laughs> I tried tons of different versions of this deck. Uh, through, I played like ten. Why leagues does it not surprise me? <laughs> over a weekend, but like every single league was just trying ten different cards, and I played some lists with like four of them. And uh, what I haven't tried yet is playing an Entomb version, which I think is actually probably quite good. But I played very similar kind of, you know, salvages and stuff. What's so good in Bomberman is because you already want to play Walking Ballistas. You already want to play Ancient Tombs and Fast Mana. And what's so, so nice is, you know, if you're salvages, you could discard salvages or it gets countered. You can then take the salvages activated ability and then combo off with, you know, a Walking Ballista itself or something. Or like, <laughs> I, I the Goblin Engineer was by far the best find to add to the deck because Goblin Engineer actually salvaged comboed way more than salvages themselves in the deck for me. So it's quite funny. You can do some cool things with uh, Lion's Eye Diamond as well being a discard outlet. You just kill I think them. This is, the, this is the kind of deck that completely wrecks people who play against us for the very first time because they didn't listen to Everyday Channel and now you know, they encountered <laughs> in the wild and they're like, what the fuck is the, going on here? The deck has some crazy lines, like really, really crazy. I, it just kills out of absolutely nowhere. I had a game where like turn three, I had nothing in play except for a saga going off and they died through like double counter magic or something. I don't know. That's pretty wild. Yeah, very, very cool. I think this is, it's, Again, it's a hard deck to play online because you still win with salvage combo quite a lot and people don't want to click through that quite reasonably. So it takes a lot of clicks with mm, salvages, mm. LED and walking blister. And in paper, it's quite expensive because you've got four city of traders, you've got uh, Lion's Eye Diamonds and stuff as well. So people might not... It's the Bomberman players that will have the deck, obviously. <laughs> but then Soul Cauldron is very expensive because of standard and modern. Wait, is it? Yeah, yeah it's like it's caught... 50 dollars What? For a yeah, standard yeah. card? Yeah, it's a mythic and it's very, very good. It's like to me, standard caps out at twenty euros. I can't help myself. <laughs> Not anymore, buddy. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but it's it's, it's very good in modern as well. So yeah, I think that's. It, oh my god! 
I mean, it's, I, it's you crazy. Know, the card actually kind of went by me. I, I noticed you mentioned it a couple of times on some discords, mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, if, if I knew about it, Callum would tell me. Or I guess that doesn't make sense, right? If it was good, <laughs> Callum would tell me or something. But then all of a sudden, like, I'm learning about this stuff. Like, the card is way too much text. I don't read it. It looks like a modern card to me. It kind of, it is. It's like, think of it in Yorgmoth. You've played Yorgmoth, right? <laughs> he does a lot in your Blade is pushing it. <laughs> He's pushing it a bit, yeah. <laughs> he moves yeah, yeah. dice like, from one card to another and I won the game <laughs> that way. But um, yeah, people should look at this deck list. It's from Kanakan, who is you know by okay, far the best Bomberman player there is. Okay, we're going to link it. Actually, it's going to be yeah. on a Saturday. So if you're listening to this, check out the Saturday Legacy Challenge show notes yeah. where you're going to find all of that stuff. Yeah, it's very cool. I think my intention is to play this at the next LLM, I think. It's very cool. Ooh, yeah. oh, that's amazing. Yeah. LLM was great. Yeah. Oh, and, and speaking of, of great decks, we, we really have to give shoutouts. I think we already wanted to do it on the last episode, but then we ran out of time. Uh, Mafus van Gogh. Like, yeah. dude, absolutely rocking it with the, the blue-black brainstorm otherworldly gay stretch deck that we made fun of like a year or something ago. Kai made fun of. I made fun of. Yeah, and, yeah, and we and joined him, right and, in and, and, Dude, and I lost it, that deck on stream today. So I nice. Nice. Ah, you nice. got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> no, th seriously, I think he's got like three challenge top eights in a row or something, and now you got like ninth place in, in the following one. Completely oh, yeah. out of control. Easily the most, is the most successful legacy player online of the last month or something. I don't know, I'm making it up, but very much at least <laughs> in, uh, I mean, in contention for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's really least. cool. I mean, I'm a fan. I just adore Dredge with all my heart. It's one of my favorite decks in Legacy. So seeing this as like this slow grindy thing. I played against a friend uh, a couple of weeks back at my local. I was playing Goblins, just like Vile Goblins. And he was playing this. And we had some really, really interesting games because Scope Prospector is secretly the best card against Dredge. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> you pop their bridges at any time. But we had this like, you know, back and forth. I was trying to kill Shout outs, but I'm sorry to interrupt you. Shout outs to my boy Mock Fanatic. Dead, but not forgotten. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, Mokfad is great against Dredge as well. But uh, we had some, like, this game of Dredge versus Goblins go to, like, turn 15 or something. Like, super grindy back and forth. It was cool. So it's a cool deck. That's the thing that Dredge was never really able to do until Mahfuz von Goch actually created this, which is to play Brainstorm, right? Which should be a completely broken card in Dredge. But never really was a thing. Like we, we tried all kinds of like I don't know breakthrough and and careful studies and stuff. I guess careful study is still in here. But now we got we got brainstorm without ponder. By the way, like how many decks are there in Legacy these days that play for brainstorm but no ponder? Yeah, not many. Uh, hmm. Can't think of really, Is it only this? Uh, there must Maybe. Be. There's probably someone that's just like, oh, ponder's boring, and we're not going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> there's like some bug mid-range deck that plays two for sure <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah. okay okay yeah and now we got this so this is very very powerful otherwise the gaze gives you a lot more mid-range stuff you have three dazes in the sideboard now that sounds like some kai tech yeah totally totally <laughs> i mean like oh like this this deck reminds me so much of the vintage dredge approach right like where you you dredge but you also have like interaction um for your opponent's stuff and you can counter whatever they play and Stuff mm -hmm. like that. But um, sometimes you like randomly get across the line with just like two or three like random creatures. Like, for, like, like five. Yeah, Icarids and things. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Same. Oh, there's only two copies of Icarid in here. I know. It, it keeps dropping, right? It used to be like four, then for a very long time it was like three. And then they would always like take out after sideboard, one out of sideboarding. Now we're like down <laughs> to two in the main deck. Yeah.
but man like yeah but big fan of dazes in the sideboard holy smokes like that that reminds me of my um, of my days when on at nauseam tendrils that was uh <laughs> damn it was like one of my it was one of the best days uh, in my in my whole like um anti career no yeah. pun intended yeah three like three <laughs> three days main deck and the fourth one in the sideboard so good <laughs> and like and dude like even the tech with chrome marks was was insane because the the chrome marks was basically kind of you know was your la additional land drop right in in case if you um oh so you made up for the lost from days yeah you can also like make um also you can also make a mock sapphire anytime you know if your days doesn't do anything <laughs> in your hand combos, bro. <laughs> kai explains how chromatic uh, how chromox works so keep going <laughs> it was so good no I'm, I'm saying this because of infernal tutor man like sometimes you had to empty your hand oh and, okay and otherwise yeah. you, could, you couldn't get rid of days otherwise sometimes. i'm telling you like sometimes chromox was better than actual mock sapphire just because of the imprint mechanic and because mm. of days not being able to just get rid of itself that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so buy all your Chromox now and <laughs> sell, sell all your Mox Sapphires. <laughs> trade them. I'll, I've got some. To trade them trade one, for one, one. for one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your Sapphires in for Chromoxes. So generous. Okay, so generous, we'll think guys. about that. What I've just realized is extra cool with this deck and the dazes in the sideboard is game one, your opponent's going to see most of your deck and see no dazes and then just walk straight into a game two. Oh, yeah. Totally. Right, because of, yeah, of the dredge mechanic. Yeah, yeah, and then game three, they're right. like, oh, do they have them or not? <laughs> Well, like this is this is usually like the biggest downside of playing something like Dredge or also any Thus Oracle deck is that your opponent gets to see everything, mm -hmm. literally everything, right? Except your hand, maybe. But yeah. it is so like if if I I can I'm such a big fan of any like surprise things out of the sideboard, be it like opposition agent, for example, out of nowhere or days in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Okay, like you, you say that, but then again. What if you have like a really nice bling bling beautiful deck and you can show off everything? <laughs> That's an upside. I don't know. <laughs> do, do you know that? Like this is like super off topic now, but that was the main reason for me to start foiling out my deck like ten plus years ago on Ad Nauseum Tendrils because I was like, okay, so if I resolve this card Ad Nauseum, I want the opponent to just you know go like wow you know <laughs> <laughs> wow wow yeah wow. it's like okay. i mean tenderness and foil looks amazing absolutely oh, amazing it, card. it mm. definitely does yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love your reasoning back then <laughs> cool uh guys is there is there anything else you want to talk about by the way i want to i want to uh, i guess properly advertise our new website once more it's everyday-eternal.com it took a lot of work and it's out. You can learn, I guess, a lot about the podcast. You can order some merch. You can just look at our beautiful pictures and get a vibe if you want to show. Like The beautiful thing is if you ever want to show this podcast to a friend of yours, you don't have to link to this awful, awful it's Julian.com page. Like The <laughs> other day on Discord, people were even like, oh, Julian, you know, there's there's a minor problem on your website. Like, there's been a major problem on the website for three years. Like It's fine. <laughs> it's like you drive your like, completely destroyed car with just like two wheels into into uh, some drive yard and, and somebody's like oh there's like a minor scratch on the windshield like, oh you really oh my god so it's so bad <laughs> but i appreciate i appreciate you guys like caring about about the integrity of this total shit show that is it's julian <laughs> it's gonna be banished to the shadow realm at some point and the new beautiful thing is everyday minus eternal.com or everyday hyphen eternal.com I really want to get eternalmtg.com because we're eternalmtg on Twitter, we're eternalmtg on Instagram, but this, I don't know, Christian sect who earns, earns, um, 
Yeah, they own everything related to Eternal, and yeah. Maybe you should get like a cheat sheet domain, eternalmtg.gg, but that was like 60 or 70 euros a year. I already looked. It's, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I mean, how big <laughs> does Magic need to get before we get a .mtg top-level domain? Or can we get .bg? That be, oh, that's Bulgaria, right? Oh my god, check it out. Eternal Everyday MTG. Eternal MTG.BGs. It's available. <laughs> <laughs> is, BG, is BG actually a top level domain? Let me check. Yeah, it's Bulgaria, right? Cool. Dude, We're now a Bulgarian BG. <laughs> it wasn't GGs, it was always BGs. It's always BGs. BGs all the way. <laughs> Actually, let me look into that. Maybe I'm going to make that a Patreon goal or something. Oh, <laughs> We're going to collect all the bad domains. God. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you so much, everybody who's been supporting us. We send out all the, the goodie bags, the gift bags, because I, I've been wanting to give back to a lot of you for very long, but especially like since the beginning of the year, I've been thinking about it after, after meeting so many of you at Four Seasons and seeing what you make possible for all of us. And finally, after that is out, uh, we already saw a lot of people like even post the stuff, right? I'd love, I'd love to if you like post the stuff on, on Twitter. Just tag us at EternalMTG. What was it? What was in the box? What's in the box? What's yep. in the box? <laughs> <laughs> so anything, I put in, yeah. I put in something like five Kaiser Vatarix tokens. One of them was a surprise. Like we basically had the construct, the Goblin Shaman, the the Orc Monarch, Army? and what was Orc the fourth Army? one? What Orc Army? Orc army, yeah. yeah. And then the fourth one was like a surprise I had a mix, so everybody got like a different one. Nice. Uh, we also got the Eternal Warrior that was signed by all three of us. We got the we got the entr the, the entrance ticket to season two. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Important. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if somebody has actually scanned the the QR code on both sides. I haven't heard about it yet, but maybe you want to do. Um, we got two postcards. Oh, we got the sticker. We got another, uh, a, a pretty like high quality uh, sticker i think the only thing i made different is for our lifetime biggest supporters i added another bigger sticker but everything everybody has got the same and we also had two postcards with pixel art of caracas and thespian stage and those are like proper postcards you can literally put stickers ideally stamps on them and, and send it to a friend you actually, I didn't send any of those to you. By the way, Kai, oh, I still have like two or three hundred. You can actually give them out at I don't know, like Eternal Weekend. We'll, we'll see. Oh, uh, yeah, like, you know, at, at the booth maybe or somewhere. Yeah, else. we, we can Man. do something about that. Or maybe okay. we sell them for like ten euros each or something. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most expensive postcard you ever bought? <laughs> two hundred million dollars. Yeah, you you guys are excited for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, that's going to be it from us today. Check us out. Uh, let everybody know. Thank you so much for all your suggestions, for all your, your ratings, your reviews. At this point, I keep discovering new reviews every week. Like, oh, and there's this website where somebody left a review. And there's this, this website where somebody left a review. So thank you so much for that. Oh, that's awesome. Also, thank you. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who answered our questions on uh, Spotify the other episode. I think Kai... You must watch Rounders next because I put it up for a vote and uh, people voted that the next movie you must watch is Rounders. So definitely check that one out. Okay. No cool. <laughs> awesome. Guys, what are you up to for the rest of the night? I'm uh, building a Goblin's deck to play tomorrow at my locals. I'm on a, oh, I'm on a night, huge... Right? Yeah, Tuesday Night Legacies. I'm on a huge Goblin kick at the moment. So I was between loads of different versions, but then I got some really sweet cards turned up in the post today. So I got some Goblin Pyromancers and some Skirt Prospectors, but like nice Prospectors. On you got the, the name sticker Goblin? 
Yes. Mind yes. Goblin? So yes. I don't actually have any of the stickers yet, so I need to <laughs> print up some boxes for that. <laughs> oh, I just use like Everyday Eternals stickers or whatever. I, I played Goblins last week or the, the week before, I think, <gasps> and I the night before I realized, shit, I actually have any of the sticker cards, so I had to borrow them. <laughs> so I, and, I've, and I've forgotten to order them now, so... But yeah, I've just I've just built it and I've got the deck like laid out in front of me. I've been like looking at it while we're doing this podcast. But I'm playing Food Chain tomorrow. So Ooh, that'd be fun. Okay. That's spicy. It's I've fun. literally been killed by that card on turn one even at times. I've oh, I've, I've killed with turn one on it a couple of times on online. I'm not even sure if the card can like on Magic Online, right? You roll a dice and I I'm pretty sure it literally can't roll anything other than a nineteen or a twenty. Something's broken. I've literally never seen it like roll a one to six. Yeah, yeah. I played. Well, the thing is, I actually had sleeved up the the Turbo Muxus deck to play. I got all the cards I needed to finish that the other day. But then I goldfished it and played League, and I, I just off it. It's it has a super super high rolly fun games, but they're really fast. And then the ones where you lose, you just have no agency, and it's a bit boring. It, it so. sounds a little bit like a slot machine. Yeah, which is fun. It's like the sticker goblin thing, but it's kind of what they were going for, right? Yeah, but I also just got these food chains. I, I sold food chains a bunch of years ago, and then I just got them got the set in a post the other day. And I was like, okay, food chain goblins are sweet because, because it has like this like grindy element, but then it can just kill out of nowhere. So it's very fun. The charmer names are sometimes like so great. That's <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's literally food chain and charmer, right? But it sounds Nahrungskette. Oh, <laughs> Here that's we cool. go. I'm just gonna do a PSA for goblins as well. Battle Cry Goblin is crazy good. That card is so unassuming. Um, it's one in a red for two two, and it has uh, a nice visibility for one in a red. Go- goblins you control get plus one plus zero oh, and haste until end of turn. And if you attack with six power or more, you get one one tapped attacking goblin, which is whatever. But it seems so meh and unassuming. But then with all the mana you're producing off sticker goblin, it it goes crazy and you can just kill it out of nowhere, even without moxes and stuff. So. Players. Oh, because it also grants haste, right? Oh. Yeah, so it gives Mox's haste, it gives all your things haste. And very often I've like kind of flipped like a prospector and some other idiots who don't get haste then, and then you just sack three or four other things to give to pump your team and do crazy amounts of damage out of nowhere. So PSA, Battle Cry Goblin is way, 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 way better than you think it looks like. So, there we go. <laughs> I mean sometimes yeah, sometimes like nothing is better than just like a big overrun, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think I online I played it and the stick of goblin and like a yeah. prospector and just attack for 12 or something it's just like yeah. oh sounds amazing sounds amazing so yeah i'm i'm excited for that how about you guys um i will probably finish my my league with um up the beanstalk rock delver but i am um, i accidentally put in a copy of commandeer in the main deck and it already won me a game wow that that was that was our suggestion to play wasn't it did we say Heck on the yeah, dude like i commandeered a narset from my opponent and he immediately scooped so that was so good amazing oh well i, I just got a message that my card had spent three weeks being repaired and that we just took back my my dad actually took it to to his place it fell apart again like holy shit no. come on seriously like uh, maybe we should go back to like having oxen draw cards or something like or, or maybe a bicycle maybe we don't need to go back that far yeah <laughs> i was about to say bike and it's like you truly must know what he's doing right kind of yeah. uh, okay so yeah that that's gonna be it for me i'm gonna figure out how i'm gonna buy an oxen and how much that is on this market uh, nice. if you want to support us in buying an official everyday eternal ox you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can sign up on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. We are actually going to redo the Patreon. We're going to change it up um, quite a bit. So I hope you'll, you'll be able to still support us. If not, really no problem. But if you can, that, that means the bar to me. 
And yeah, with that, shout out to everybody. You can find us on EternalMTG on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, thank you so much, everyone, especially our Eternal Witness Tier supporters, Colin Garassi, Alex Crow, Tim Everett, Testacular, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Sean Dewey, Francis Kauper, Cassandra Davis, Tom Zischka, Benedict Gruber, and Severin Schwarzuber. And our Grizzlebrand here support us Scott Monroe, Tom Hepp, Kane, Ian Seifert, and Colin Oscar PU, who's got the best name of any patron ever. I just can't get over it. Thank you so much, and see you again next time. Bye bye. Yeah, ladies and everyone.